I guess we'll start. Sure. Since you're recording your end and I'm recording my end and stuff, uh, and I have my notes here. Oh God. Physical notes. Physical notes. Then. You 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 didn't you didn't tell me anything, so I don't know what to to what to, what to expect other than I listened to a bunch of the old episodes again. <laughs> well, that's pretty much you know uh, all you need to do. I think that's <laughs> and then just show up and then I'll ask stuff. So you know. Uh, so so my first question, which is always the same. And I also say that every time. So, uh, who are? <laughs> don't laugh. Who are you, and what do you do? Uh, my name is Dan Sturm. Uh, I am a video director and visual effects artist. I just realized your last name is basically Storm, right? Yes, it is the German word for storm. That's awesome. I just realized that. Sorry, <laughs> I just because I have Skype open and your name is like, you know, it's in the middle of my monitor now. So, okay. That was an aside. Um, what does a video director mean? I, I guess that I would say I'm a, a filmmaker. I don't really make films per se, but um, director is sort of the uh, umbrella term I use in that I write, I direct on set, I shoot video, I edit video, I edit audio, I do motion graphics, animation, all that fun stuff. So it's just kind of uh, every bit of it. But currently, uh, most of the stuff I do is web-based um, commercial marketing type stuff. Um, I, I work uh, freelance uh, with sandwich video uh, relatively frequently. That's that's kind of what I've been doing for the past two years. And uh, I occasionally do visual effects for movies here and there. Only about two movies in this last year. Oh, nice. I did not know that you, that you work for sandwich video. I didn't. I had no idea. Well, I, I yeah, I don't work necessarily for them. I've just done a lot of freelance work with them in the past two years since I left my 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 real job. I don't I don't have a real job anymore. I just I am a freelance video director. What was your real job? Uh, well, my real job was essentially the same thing. I was a, uh, a director, creative director. I guess was the technical term uh, for Intel. I worked in their internal media department, which was called Intel Studios. Not that anyone would ever hear that name, but uh, yeah, for seven years uh, after college, I got a job at Intel and. Uh, I wrote, directed, edited, and did visual effects there as well. So it's all sort of the the same thing. Yeah, well, like doing what? It's Intel. I don't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that sounded awful. That question sounded awful. But <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's understandable. Yeah, I generally have to explain it to people. Um, well, the internal media department covers sort of everything uh, that the company would want to create, except the TV commercials. So we would make uh, anything from just interviews with executives that were either meant for internal or external uh, viewing uh, training videos. Um, we would do, well, I ended up doing a lot of uh, like the executives when they have their keynote presentations at like CES or internal conferences, they, they have a usually about a, you know, a minute or two fancy video that introduct introduces them uh, or their presentation. And I, I made a lot of that stuff. Um, we went into the, we shot a lot of video inside the clean rooms where they make the microprocessors, and uh, a lot of that stuff ended up on news outlets, that kind of stuff. So pretty much anything and everything that they could think uh, to shoot was kind of my job. That sounds kind of awesome to me, to be honest. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I don't know. You worked for Intel. That's, I don't know. I, I, think, I think Intel, with all of their stuff, it's, like, it's still one of those companies that I feel good about. I don't know why, but it's still one of those... You know, it's one of those blue chips from the, you know, internet era, I guess. Or the computing era, I should say. Yeah. Uh, it's a, I, I still uh, quite like the company. I still know a lot of people there and I talk to them. Um, they're, they're a gigantic corporation like, you know, any other in which they have 
cubicles and hierarchies and all that fun stuff that makes it really uh, <laughs> annoying on a daily basis. But um, yeah, it, it was a it was a pretty cool gig. I mean, I I got the job. Well, straight out of college isn't actually the right term. I got the job technically before I finished college, which was <laughs> okay. awkward because I was I was still going to school for like six months when I first started working there. Um, but it was a it was a place where I learned a lot, I guess. And uh, I, I started out just as an editor, just editing video for the organization, and eventually started doing more effects and then writing, directing, and you know, kind of developing the the full skill set of things that I do today. But like how like where were you based when you were doing that? Like where does, does the Intel have like a headquarters in America or how does that work? Yeah, well the uh the headquarters is in uh Santa Clara in California in the the Bay Area, uh Silicon Valley area. Oh, yeah. But uh I I I grew up in uh Phoenix, Arizona where they have um, most of the manufacturing plants where they make the actual chips are here, the big ones. Um, we, we weren't in those buildings. We were in this goofy little terrible building that they bought that's just uh, a couple miles away from it. Um, but uh, yeah, they have uh, a lot of offices here. And then, well, so the first six years I was here and then I, I needed to change the scenery. So my last year at Intel, I moved to uh, San Jose, Santa Clara area and worked at the headquarters, which was nice. Oh, Nice. I had no idea, and you work with, I should say, since you're a with freelancer, with a sandwich video. Because I, I hate Adam Lissiger, basically. Because <laughs> he, he edited uh, You Look Nice Today. Yes. And I mentioned this when I talked to Madeline, and I hate him for that, because that show is perfect, basically. It, it is a, a favorite of mine as well, yeah. It's, it's a fantastic show. I still listen to it. People think I'm crazy, but I still like listening to old episodes. I am the same way. When I run out of stuff and I just need something, when I'm like, if I'm going somewhere by bus and stuff, I'll just, you know, listen to a random episode and just get angry all over again. I just, I hate it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. I just, I, see, I get worked up. Because like, I don't know, this whole podcasting thing, you know, it's it's sort of starting to show signs of like, at least not being a baby anymore, but maybe like a toddler or something. <laughs> Like as a medium, right? And he just sort of just jam jumped out all like over that and just became a full on adult with you look nice today. And I hate the guy. So <laughs> that was my rant, sorry. Uh how's working for Sandwich? Like we should explain, because I don't know, like I I guess well, maybe like the the uh, I'm gonna call them the foreign audience might know about sandwich video, but like people over here in Slovenia might not know of them. So like what how would you like explain sandwich video that's a stupid question but i asked it so go uh well the they are a video company based in los angeles who makes uh short uh i, I initially i think adam referred to them as demo videos for uh technology apps hardware uh, all kinds of cool new stuff that uh you know like indie developers um mo mostly really interesting products that you've never heard of before and uh adam has a very um, interesting signature style uh, that a lot of the indie developers like, and a lot of everyone likes. Actually, I, that's I, I was a fan of Adam's work long before I ever got a chance to work with him. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he's he's been the spokesperson for a lot of the the products in the the, the tech nerd sphere that we live in that uh, we all have come to know and love. Yeah. He did the one password video, which is the one I sent to people when I tried to explain to them just use. One password. <laughs> I just got. <laughs> that was my, that was mine actually. Uh, the first project that I 
well, kind of, I mean, Adam is involved in every step of the way for every project. Um, you know, his voice is in every video they make, but, uh, the one password video was really the first time I worked with them in the full capacity wherein I wrote and directed that one. Honestly. And, and did the visual effects for it. Yes, I did all of that stuff. That's awesome, man. Cause I send that <laughs> video around like to anybody where they're like, oh, it's passwords, you know, security. And I'm like, just use one password. And then every time I try to explain, I'm just, I'm just going to send them the video. And hopefully they speak English, which, you know, over here is not that uh, rare, <laughs> but you know, that's awesome, man. I had no idea. Honestly. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, uh, most of the work I do with them is uh, post-production stuff. So I do editing and uh, visual effects and animation and color correction and stuff. But that one that, that one was a long time in development when I first started working with them. Um, I, I guess Agile Bits had uh, contacted him and wanted to, to make a video for it. And, you know, for a number of reasons, you know, trying to line it up with their, their launch and uh, a bunch of other projects that were happening at the same time. It took a while, but... Um, we went back and forth writing that one a lot, and uh, yeah, I ended up uh, get, getting to take to take the reins on that one. That was a, that was a fun project. That's so awesome, you see. And like Joe worked on, you know, the, the Smurfs, which is you know <laughs> fine, I guess. I had to say that anyway. <laughs> like the three people are gonna get that joke, but okay. Uh, <laughs> so okay, we we should like rewind a little, but like why uh, video stuff? Like, did you go to school for it or? Uh, well, video was kind of always a hobby for me, I guess. Um, yeah, but what does that mean? Like, what you know, because when you're 15, what does shooting video as a hobby look like? Because I had a Sony camera and that was not a hobby, man. Like that's Right. Well, okay. So I should say, when I say hobby, that's the nice way of saying I used video as an excuse to get out of one of my classes in like seventh grade. <laughs> um, so... I, I don't know if this is the same over there, but like uh, in, uh, I guess it's middle school, seventh grade, um, like third period or whatever it is, they would do the announcements over the intercom. You know, you know, someone would come on the radio over the whole school and say, you know, you know, this practice is at this time at this field or whatever. And, you know, here's what's going on at the school. And at our school, it was kind of a new school because I live in the middle of the desert and they just there were no schools. So they built them like as they needed them. Um, but they, they did, uh, video announcements and, uh, a friend of mine was helping make the video announcements and I thought it was interesting cause he got to leave class for like a half hour every single day to go <laughs> make this goofy live video broadcast. It's basically like a news show where you read five minutes of, uh, announcements from the administration and you put some silly graphics up on the screen and then, you know, the, the whole school is supposed to engage with it more uh, since it's video or something. Like the boom goes the dynamite guy, basically. Like <laughs> I suppose. That's, that's the only reference I could think of. I mean, it, it basically what it turned into was me and like five of my friends in this little room in the back of the library uh, making a little live news broadcast every single day where we would just kind of mess around and we would play whatever music we were into at the time uh, over the, you know, it, we would make introductory credits and end credits for a new show every day because why not? We were bored and we got to play with this little equipment. Um, but, you know, it was just a, a fun thing to do to get us out of class for a little while. And then, uh, you know, that sort of like went by the wayside. And then in high school, um, there was a really cool video production teacher there and I took some of his classes and they also had the video announcements thing going on. So we would, you know, shoot video of the, the, the sports teams, football, lacrosse, whatever. Um, and then we would do the video announcements and we would make, uh, you know, part of the video class, we would make, um, like packages, like news packages. We would make, uh, radio ads for fun, um, 
just random videos and this and that. But uh, I was always a, a math nerd kid. So eventually, uh, I, I as I was instructed to do, I went off to go be a computer engineer uh, in college. <laughs> and uh, I got, you know, the first year of that was uh, interesting. Um, I, I really enjoy technology, but uh, I, I was not cut out to be a computer engineer. So I just... After my first year, I totally bailed on that. And it's like, well, what am I going to do now? It's like, well, I've kind of been making videos my whole life, either with, you know, my friends or as part of a school thing. So let's go to film school. And I went to, uh, at the time, it was the only film school in Arizona, which is where I, I was still going to college. Um, at uh, It was up in Scottsdale. And uh, it, turned, I mean, it was only a two-year program. I kind of did two degrees at the same time. So I got a degree, a two-year degree in film production and film editing. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned, like one of the teachers um, in the, t- the TV class, uh, it was like a live broadcast class, which I, I, I should stipulate, I hate doing live TV type stuff, like webcasts, all that fun stuff. It's, uh, it drives me insane. I hate it. <laughs> Why? Um, which... <laughs> There's something about the live element of television that it's just like constant panic and everything always breaks all the time. So it's really just like doing your best to make sure that the video doesn't go down. Like all of the live streams we we always watch of any keynote anywhere, like uh, what the Apple Watch keynote, is that the one where there, there were like three languages going on at the same time and it kept going to color bars? Yeah, yeah, the Chinese translator. That, something always goes wrong like that in a live broadcast and you're just scrambling and sprinting and getting yelled at the whole time and it's just miserable. And when it goes right, you're basically just sitting there and you know cut from camera one to camera two cut from camera two to camera three and it's like an hour and a half of that and i I don't find that particularly (laughs) stimulating so uh yeah the live tv stuff is not super interesting but um anyway in that class uh the teacher uh brought in folks from different companies to sort of like give lessons or whatever like hey learn from some industry people and one of them uh happened to be from intel and mentioned that there was a job post uh, job opening for an editor and um at the time, again, since I was the computer nerd, uh, with uh, you know, I've always been like super into like building computers and like futzing with them, and not really, uh, not really all that great with them. But I, I like to tinker a lot, so I, I kind of got this weird reputation as the guy who knew all of the answers when you were asked any question about like the editing software, uh, and I kind of I I, I I ruined the grade curve in my editing class um, for everyone else. So that reputation at least got me the interview at Intel, and then uh, it turns out they hired me. So that's kind of I, I stumbled and fell and uh, used video as an excuse to like be lazy and not go to class, and then it turned into a job. So that's kind of the roundabout story there. Yeah, that 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 happens to everybody. You know, that's the you know, it's <laughs> just either incredibly lucky or you know, your your that reputation was really something for them to you know decide on a job at the end there but yeah it's like what 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 else are you gonna do i mean i always like to mess around with like photoshop and then you know i edit video and then eventually you're like well what else can this program do and you poke around and you're like okay i can i can make two versions of me and i can have a conversation with myself that i'm editing together here and you know that that tricks some people when you're in high school and they go how did you do that i don't understand it's like well it's it's one button but i just i spent enough time poking around in the application and i figured out how to do it and you know it just spirals from there so yeah okay but the whole storytelling aspect of it like where does that come in because if you started doing, you know, the school announcements, that's not actually, you know, yeah, like story driven, I guess. <laughs> like, where, like, where does that come from then? 
Because I think you need that, right? If you do video of any kind, even the one password stuff, you know, that's, you know, that has an arc, I guess, sort of. Yeah, I I don't see this. This is uh, this is the, the difficult part for me even still these days. I don't find myself to be that great of a storyteller, which is probably why I haven't branched out into things, you know, like feature films or, you know, uh, all that dramatic type work that I, I, I love watching so much. But it's just I'm not super great at writing it. The, um the, the the tech stuff, but both with uh, when I was at Intel and sort of the sandwich stuff, um, I, I've always been. I'm sure you and many of your listeners are the the guy who translates tech for normal people. Like you know, yeah. somebody asks you, explain this thing to me, and trying to figure out how to relay uh, inscrutable technical detail in a human manner is something that I've been doing for a really long time. And you know, at, at Intel. A lot of the folks there either didn't care or they had been there long enough to be jaded about the fact that it's like, okay, every year there's new chips, they're a smaller process, they have more features, they're faster, whatever, they're cheaper. And, they, you know, they, they didn't pay attention to that stuff. And they, for a while, I was still I was still super into that stuff because we, we, it was uh, – I basically joined the company right when um, – they changed they changed the logo and they launched the core line of processors and they they dropped uh, you know pentium and all that stuff went away and i i found all that stuff fascinating for a, a great many years and uh anytime there there would be uh well the the pr folks want a video about the new process i would be okay this is the the chip that added this to it and it's this process here and this is this super difficult thing there and then we would go find out all the fun technical detail and then turning that into something that uh people could potentially understand um was an interesting challenge and it's the same sort of thing with uh I, I mean, I again, I should say I really don't do a lot of the writing and directing for the sandwich stuff. The the one password one was really the last thing I did in that capacity. Um, but making sure that uh, the the technical details of a product or service are properly explained in a digestible manner is, I, I think, a fun challenge, and uh, it's something that I I I feel like I kind of understand how to do. But uh, yeah. That's that. That's sort of the. It's not so much. I don't look at it as storytelling per se, as kind of showing off what a thing is and why it's cool. Yeah, but that, I think that's an actual skill, because I feel the same way when I write about tech, right? Like just explaining. I call them civilians, which is basically everybody else. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, trying to explain anything to be just normal people. I think when it when tech's involved, that, I think that's an actual like that's a proper skill. Again, yeah, I wouldn't call it storytelling because that's just douchey because everybody just calls everything storytelling these <laughs> days. <laughs> I, I hate that. Right? Like, like if you work with video or like you write stuff, you can actually call yourself a storyteller, like no matter what you do. Yeah. I think because there's, there is an element of that. But if you're a guy that makes chairs, you're not a storyteller. But I'll bet you there's <laughs> like 17 videos on Vimeo of a guy saying he's a storyteller because he makes something out of wood, right? And I, I find that word, like the storyteller, I just, it has lost so much of its, you know, I don't know, like meaning, I guess, with yeah. the... Yeah, I mean, you can you can retcon a story about just about anything, but that, that doesn't mean that it's going to be a good story. It's just a story, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, the, being the operative word. <laughs> <laughs> Just as there are a lot of movies that aren't super great, there are a lot of stories that are not super uh, engaging or entertaining. So, yeah, whatever. Okay, but, but we do have to talk about movies because 
like you we're gonna <laughs> talk about the focus at the end that's sort of how i've pictured it but like the best episodes of that show right is when you actually like the movie and you're the normal person and then there's joe right <laughs> who's just there to you know there's there's this uh, i just heard that a couple of uh, weeks ago and he just poo-poos everything that's that, that's what people say over there in america sometimes right yes okay thank you because that sounds weird to me but i'm i'm rolling with it so that is an acceptable idiom yes yeah, thank you uh no but like you you have this i don't know i i i really like when you like a movie you're like you you actually like it comes across as some, just a guy liking a movie and i think that's really like hard to capture even on a podcast or a tv show or a book or a you know article whatever like that's that genuine joy of someone liking something i think that's really hard to capture and that's my theory but like i'm this is going to be the the weirdest douchiest question today probably but like why do you love certain types of movies hmm. and that's a broad question but i had to ask it I, seriously my notes see see that it's written no, down. no it's yeah. it's not it's not that bad of a question at all because I, I think about this all the time. You know, um, the, the Golden Globes were on last night and uh, it's yet another instance where I watch it and I go, really, that's the one you guys all liked versus the one that I actually liked? But uh, it, it's more me coming to the realization that the movies I like are uh, different than most people and in in ways somewhat psychotic. Like, uh, I am a big fan of David Fincher and he, he's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's well known for making kind of out there, uh, creepy, weird, psychotic films. Um, but I, I think, um, why do I like the movies that I like? Uh, characters really resonate with me um, for a lot of things. Uh, you know, there's comedy uh, that, that's always. I, I I love a good comedy. I, I watched Twenty Two Jump Street the other day for the second time, and I, 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 I like those movies. They're they're silly and fun, but those those aren't the movies that I like hold up as like a, a great piece of cinema. Like those are super entertaining, and I like them, and the jokes are funny and all that stuff. But like in terms of movies that I, I really appreciate as like great film or ones that I I really admire, it's um it, it's it's usually some manner of uh extensive character work that is really kind of outside the box and maybe it's because i'm kind of fascinated by people which is weird because i don't really see people because i work at home in my little office here and i don't like go outside ever um but people fascinate me uh, and i i I like i I like digging into the 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 deeper psyche of people and especially uh in movies when you know you can kind of do whatever you want with a character because it's not a, a, a real person it's not a uh, a character study of uh, an actual human being. You can you can kind of get out there with these characters that are uh, things you've never seen before, and, and that kind of stuff intrigues me. Okay, but you see the the thing I like like when you talk about movies. Well, you and Joe, because you guys sort of know more of how the that stuff is made. You know, you've seen the sausage being made, right? And I and you still have this glee about certain films where I. Imagine if I knew like as much about making movies as you two do, like I just wouldn't be able to just like let it go and just watch the damn thing, you know. I just when you guys told me about the matte paintings in uh, 
uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, God, please don't tell me we ruined it for you. Yeah, that's all I see now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Every time I see that damn Gargoyle. <laughs> no, that's fine, because I actually found it fascinating, because I actually watched it, because uh, I listened to you guys talk about it. And then I watched it with my girlfriend, and I was like, oh, that's a matte painting. And she was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I was like, I was just basically proud that I saw it. I like, I don't know how you watch anything anymore when you notice stuff like that yeah well like that seems like magic to me it, it is um yeah th there is something to be said about when, once you've seen how it's made that you, you kind of can't help see some of those parts but th there are still a great many things that i watch uh even after seeing them dozens of times and i just get lost in them like it, when we talked about uh die hard not too long ago that's one that um oh yeah i i try to study and i i know it's a great movie on a technical level for a number of reasons but it, there are parts where i just get lost in it because it, i don't know if it's like being overwhelmed by all of the the pieces working together in harmony to make you know something that's bigger than the some of their parts or whatever but like if i i can start studying the cinematography of something but then you know i'll end up on one shot where there's like a a, a line that i love that uh makes me laugh or smile or something and then all of a sudden i'm i'm just watching that scene again it's like oh crap 20 minutes later i totally forgot to paying attention to the cinematography now but um since movies are a collaboration with hundreds of people uh th there are times when just uh e even i knowing how they do these things i watch it and i go i could never do any of that like all of these things th there's something th there's some little piece of what i'm watching that is just so mind-blowingly overwhelming that just it just knocks me back into my seat as a viewer and i go okay i'm just gonna watch this now because this is too much fun to watch and you know ha having the the critical eye is uh it's an exercise and you know the thing about criticism gets weird when you try and break stuff down like um yeah it, there, there's a film school thing where you can like all right let's look at a scene let's draw a diagram of where everyone is and where the camera starts and where it goes and where the lights are and try and figure out what kind of lights they had in the scene where you can reverse engineer stuff and what kind of equipment. And, you know, I love looking at behind the scenes uh, photos and try and use that in conjunction with the movie to try and figure out what gear they had to pull something off if it was like a particularly difficult or clever shot. And that stuff's interesting, but uh, the stuff that actually interests me is trying to like reverse engineer the mindset of the people who were in charge that day. Um, I, I don't really care like what camera was used or what kind of stuff they used. I, I really care about uh, trying to figure out what the director was thinking in order to create this thing, you know, trying to figure out what message they had in mind and whether or not that was successful. And that kind of stuff is is a, a, a sort of second level of analysis, I guess, that's kind of uh, entertaining to me. So it's like, you know, I, I look at uh, some of Fincher's movies and I go, I, I know he has this like running joke about like people are perverts and that's kind of like this weird stuff that he thinks is intriguing, but like, uh, what, what does this stuff say about him? And you know, it doesn't have to say anything about him because it's, it's just his work. It doesn't have to be a complete re reflection of the man who created it. But, um, I always find it intriguing to see like, what, what is it about this story scene combination of uh dialogue and action that like, that, that got this filmmaker to really want to like push, you know, like in some of his films, there's some like uh, some stuff that really makes you uncomfortable, and he's 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 pushing the <laughs> bruise to like make sure that that moment lands. And it's like, what, what is it about this scene that made him want to go this way and that kind of stuff? And I I love trying to you know interpret that stuff uh, for myself just to try and figure out 
you know, what, what a filmmaker is all about. That's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that interests me. But uh, again, that's like me discovering I have odd tastes in movies about weird people. <laughs> that's a, that, was a odd, that was a weird tangent where I probably revealed way too much about myself. <laughs> no, I just love the way you ended it. Like, just like weird, we're weird people. That's pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I look at these movies that, that I love and I'm like, if I were to just write down the list of movies that I really like, people would think I was psychotic. Yeah, don't do that. Well, this this uh, this last year, uh, I saw Nightcrawler with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know if uh, if you saw that or it, it came around yet. Yeah, I, I think it's out. I don't know. I think it was already in the uh, cinema. I think, but I'm not sure. But yeah, I know what the the creepy G- Jake Gyllenhaal movie, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was nuts, and it's just like reprehensible on like ten different levels, but. I found it utterly fascinating, and I loved the way it was put together. And uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know what that says about me, but I, I loved that movie and just you know other movies in that same vein, which is it, it's kind of a more like indie style film, but just the, there's something about the the character work in that and the way it was assembled that I, I just I loved that movie. You see, you do sort of point that out on multiple occasions, at least on the show, and you just did it there. But like, the whole collaboration process that the movie actually is, right? The, all of those moving parts. Yeah. Like, even with the smaller, like, again, I'm going to say, like, smaller projects, like uh, the Intel stuff. And, like, how like how challenging is that, actually? Because I always come to this distinction between, you know, because I just, I do a little bit of audio editing with the shows that I do, right? But, like, audio is pretty basic when you start to like factor in like multiple shots and stuff with the video right like how like how easy it is to actually all of that to fall apart <laughs> like just well uh, you know no but yeah you see i don't know how how else to ask that i don't want to be like i don't want to be flipping about it but like it's just it's because i had a, a, a guy here that directs movies i had him on a couple of times he's like a panelist on a like a incomparable style show we do mm. and i've talked to him about it a couple of times but i just i find that fascinating because to me it just seems like there's too many balls in the air basically like all the time i don't know how that like is it easier for the smaller projects or is it just you know it's a shorter like time span and it's the same amount of just hectic stuff that can just fall apart basically um my uh, my instinct is that it's potentially easier on some of the larger projects, but that you know obviously there's more pressure when there's more money. But um, you know the thing about it is, and I can probably really only speak to my own experience, so that's that's kind of how we'll try and frame it, I guess. But um, when it, when I write something, whether it was the Intel stuff or the One Password video or whatever it was, um, I see every frame of it in my head as I'm writing it. And that's kind of the only way I work. Like I I need to be able to see every cut, every angle to know if it's going to work together. And most of the time I, you know, I I'm doing a little bit of fuzzy math in my head because I think we can get from here to there. Uh, and that, that'll work, you know, watching an edit in my head is different than watching an edit, uh, you know, on my computer screen. But, um, once you show up to a location, uh, chances are the actor you envisioned or the location you envisioned or the light you envisioned is going to be different. You know, it, it's it's almost 100% guarantee, basically, that, okay, we found a bunch of great locations. This is not what I had in my head because my head is uh, un- unconstricted in terms of what, what I can imagine. Um, and you just kind of have to throw it out and go with the intention of what you had to do and say, okay, how can I adapt this idea to these new constraints? And obviously working under a constraint is uh, often a good thing because here's the resources I have and here's how we got to make it work. 
And, uh, it, you know, you, you exercise that muscle of saying, all right, I need to get from point A to point B to point C, and I need to make sure we get these pieces along the way. And then, you know, the, uh, after that, you got to make sure you have your, your basic film principles of having enough footage and angles and uh, different uh, cuts to put it together and make sure it actually works technically. But um, the, the collaboration process is the same way where, you know, you, you have to rely on these other people and you have to work with people that you can put trust in. One thing that um, <laughs> it probably speaks to my working situation at the moment, uh, I, I always liked to do all of it myself. Uh, in film school, there were a couple <laughs> instances where I was writing, directing, shooting, lighting, literally doing every job myself except maybe being like the one guy who's on camera. And there was even an instance where I tried to do a shot where I was – shooting myself because i didn't have any actors but um like th <laughs> that, that even, sounded weird yeah i know it was it, it, i it basically did shoot myself with that when it was a disaster of a, a project but um put it putting your faith and trust in other people is essential for the process but that's where it can either enhance the project or fall down if you have a misunderstanding and the, the whole point of you know the the director's job is to make sure everyone understands what they're doing and what you what your intention is and let them sort of work within the within their job you know as you you learn to trust people more you say okay uh i've seen your work i know you're good here's kind of what i want to do and then let them bring their own thing to it and what, what they do usually is better than what you would have imagined doing by yourself um but uh the whole thing is malleable right up until the moment that you ship the video. Like, uh, you know, the editing process is, you know, the, there's the old thing they say, the, the movie is written three times, you know, it's when you write it, when you shoot it, and then when you edit it, it's the whole thing changes and it has the potential to be completely uh, upended and changed uh, in many, many ways. But um, the ever evolving process of things being thrown out and redone. It's just the way the whole process goes and you got to kind of anticipate it and roll with it because if you freak out that you went over on time and you missed a scene or something, you know, that's that's just the way things go and you got to roll with it. You can't like fall down on your knees crying because uh, you, you missed your your shot list for the day or something. Like you just got to roll with it and uh, you got to be good at making sure you get enough to make a video in spite of all of these things that uh, are constraints. So the... The collaboration process is just kind of everyone doing everything they can all the time, right up until the last minutes, and saying, "Does this work? No. Uh, can we change it? No. Can we throw it out? Sure. Like uh, you know, whatever you got to do to make sure the the product is the best thing it can be. And the product is never, ever, ever going to be that thing that I imagined when I started writing. But uh, that was my next question. Yeah. yeah. No. It's 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 going to be great. It's going to be as good as it can possibly be, and we've got everyone doing their best on the project. But it, it's almost never the thing that I had in my mind. Um, that, well, I should say the one password video is actually pretty close to what I envisioned in my head, except for there's one shot where the camera's moving a different direction uh, than what I had anticipated. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it ended up working. Oh yeah, I totally, I totally noticed that. By the way. No, no, you had, you have no idea because there was a. Of course, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had envisioned this, uh, this, this particular animated, uh, this graphic there towards one of the towards the end. I guess it's one of the shots where um, the the door is filling up with uh, all of the different. 
categories of stuff that the one password uh, supports, you know, the passwords and uh, credit cards yeah. and logins or all that stuff. I had sort of envisioned this different way of representing that and the camera moved accordingly. And when you're just dealing with white walls and my imagination, everyone on set's got to trust that I know what I'm going to do because I'm the one editing and making the graphics anyway. So I, I, I know what I'm going to do there. But uh, I got into post and it's like, well, this is really complicated and isn't really adding much. So let me see if there's a better way to do it. And that's what you see in the video is what I came up with. But it's like, well, it's technically the camera should be moving a little bit differently for that. But it worked. It worked. It's fine. We can salvage this. But other than that, pretty much every one of the shots in that I had more or less uh, envisioned from the beginning. But, it, you know, again, it all on the day, uh, <laughs> there, there were so many things that changed the morning of that shoot, as with all shoots, that are just... Uh, <laughs> like what? Things that you would never expect. <laughs> yeah, but like what? Just give me an example. Like what, what, like on the morning of, what's changed? Like one... Well, one of the things that was uh, an interesting challenge, which um, it's not really something anyone could anticipate. Uh, the, uh, the assistant director, who's the guy who sort of keeps us on schedule and... Uh, make sure everyone is doing their job. Um, he, his apartment caught on fire at like three in the morning <laughs> the night before. It, he was okay. It was just one of those things where it was just like, um, well, he got replaced. And it's like, oh, hello, nice to meet you. We, we're going to be working together in two hours. So let's <laughs> let's get to this. And then um, if I recall correctly, uh, Adam, like in the middle of the night, um, like his dog was barking or something and he, he didn't want to – didn't want it to wake up the baby or whatever because he had just, you know, he just had his son. Uh, and he slipped and like whacked his face on the edge of his bed and he was actually bleeding out of his lip for a portion of the day. Uh, <laughs> so he, he was kind of sleep deprived and a little bloody and we kind of, we, we doctored that up in post a little bit. But um, Wait, what? Adam has like a bloody lip in that movie basically. Well, and- I'm not really going to point it out too much because I don't want people looking for it. But yeah, there, there, there is a bit of a, a cut in his lip. <laughs> I was not expecting that. That, you know, and moreover than that, it's just like, I mean, it's not even necessarily that it was like the, uh, oh God, we have like a facial scar or something that we have to cover up with makeup or whatever. It's just one of those things that's like, uh, and it, no matter how many things we had on our mind that day, it's just like, oh, cool. We've got these other things that we're going to have to throw into the mix to make sure, uh, you know, we were all on our toes. So yeah, it's just one of those things that you, you show up and, uh, well, what, what are we dealing with today? And it's like, oh, okay, cool. The, these are our, our new constraints. And luckily, you know, the, the reason I go through that whole process of envisioning everything before we even get there is so I know what we absolutely positively need to get for this thing to work. And as long as I keep that in my head and, you know, I usually keep a, a piece of paper with like a shot list or a script or something in my pocket so I can look at that and make sure, okay, we got this, this and that. And I, I, I it reminds me of the images that I had in my head. And I go, all right, sure, we're we're still on track, and uh, we're gonna get everything we need. But you know, there's always stories like that. Okay, yeah, I was not expecting that. I was expecting, you know, some piece of equipment breaking or something, not fires and like blood, bloody lips. Yeah, it's it, there's always something like that. Like I, I did a one of the larger projects I did for Intel it involved like a week of shooting and all these different locations. And uh, it was shot in the Bay Area, sort of all around the San Francisco area, and I was still living in Phoenix. But, you know, I showed up the weekend before we started shooting, and we go and tour this. Um, it was in downtown San Jose. It was the uh, art museum or something. And we, we, we they said they would give us this, uh, like, 
this one wing of the art gallery that was empty at the time that had this cool layout because we had like an art setup or something. And it was going to be ridiculous. It was like $5,000 a day just to rent this like empty room that had these like, it was kind of nicely laid out with like walls and stuff that looked cool. But we showed up, uh, I think Sunday to check it out before shooting there. I think that one was supposed to be Tuesday. And they were in the middle of renovation. So like all of the walls were torn out. So it was just one big empty room. And it's like, what the hell? And they're like, oh, by the way, the power in this this side of the building, uh, like anytime anyone goes up and down in the elevator, the lights like pulse because it's a really old building. It's like, okay. And they're like, oh, yeah, and you can't use power here. You got to bring your own generator and run cables out the window down the building. It's like, why didn't you tell us any of this? And they're like, oh, by the way, it's also going to be $12,000 a day. And it's like, anyway, so we're going to look for a new location uh, in the next three hours to shoot on Tuesday. And it's like, uh, luckily we had an amazing, uh, location manager who found us something, but it's like, okay, so we're going to shoot here in two days and we have all these actors and this giant crew and all this stuff and it's just gone now. So like, uh, sure. Let's find somewhere else to shoot now. Yeah, so rolling with the punches is like the motto basically every time. Basically. Yeah. I mean, you should anticipate that, uh, the best laid plans are going to get thrown out the window and you're going to start over. And that's just kind of the name of the game sometimes. And you got to keep... You got to keep that original vision in mind enough to the point that, you know, you're fighting the constraints, trying to pull it back towards your ideal state. And you're going to hopefully land somewhere closer to that than the chaos. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to cover up most of those uh, those those sorts of things in post-production. So hopefully nobody ever notices that uh, this was your your secondary choice for a location or, you know, somebody was injured that day or whatever, you know, whatever you got to do to make sure that at the end of the day, you come out with the right product. That's, that's what you got to do. So it's, you know, that, that's the editing process. We throw out all the takes where uh, somebody forgot their lines. And it's the same sort of thing. We throw out all of the, the footage that makes it look like uh, somebody was bleeding or something, whatever you got to do. It's like, <laughs> and I, sh- I shouldn't, I shouldn't harp on that example so much because it wasn't really as big a, a thing as we thought it was. It was just like, oh, I have this vision in my mind now, which is just, you know, uh, I'm going to, like, as soon as we stop, I'm going to go watch that video again. You do know that, right? <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. But it's just one of those <laughs> things, you know, where you don't expect your your lead actor slash uh, co-writer to show up to set and be like, hey, so let's not get super close because I'm, like, bleeding out of my face right now. And uh, <laughs> I, I need, like, a napkin in my back pocket to sort of dab, you know, in between takes and that kind of stuff. So it's like, all right, uh, we'll deal with it. Awesome. Okay, so we, <laughs> I, I, there's, what can I say to that? Well, okay, the the last thing I want to talk to you about before you get, we get there, Hunter and Swatter, is the focus, mm. which, you know, I, I just, when I have podcasters on, I just say, like, pitch that show. I don't know how you're going to do that, but try. Defocused is a podcast I do with a former guest on your show, Joe Steele, uh, where we ramble about the movie business, and then we usually kind of walk through a uh, a movie that we had selected and review it uh, and review. I don't know. Review is kind of a weird word. We talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, what we thought worked, that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's just sort of a casual conversation about uh, movies that we either like or dislike. Well, sometimes people accuse us of hating everything, but we don't hate everything. We like movies. Um, oh, no, no. I just, I just <laughs> accuse Joe of that. You're, right. You're, well. you're in the clear. You've liked enough stuff to be able to say that yeah. Dan actually likes stuff. Joe just hates everything. Basically. Yeah. See, it always happens, though, when we try, we try to step outside the box with something like we heard was good. Uh, we, we just did Snowpiercer, uh, which turned into probably the most negative episode we've ever had in terms of just really disliking a movie. But, uh, you know, we, we try and make sure our our arguments are 
well-founded, or at least we discuss them long enough to where we feel like they are. I know, but like Joe doesn't like serenity, <laughs> which is just like, oh, look at that. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, but I actually mentioned Snowpiercer on Piercer, another show I do here. And uh, I don't know, I, I sort of almost liked it. Like that that was my thing. No, you see, this is the thing. You're you're totally allowed to like it if that's your thing. It's just Yeah, I know, I know. I haven't listened to you guys talk <laughs> okay, about it. That's right. still queued up. So yeah, just don't okay, I am guessing Joe hates it and you're just meh, basically. But okay, I'll see. I'll see. I'm I'm definitely gonna listen to it. And I do implore anybody that listens to this to just check out the focus, because it's one of those shows that, you know, you're gonna love Dan and hate Joe. <laughs> well, that's I like that review. Can we quote you on that? Anytime, man. Just, <laughs> that can be a blurb in the sidebar. You, nice. Uh, um, yes, you can have that. Uh, so, okay. Oh, go ahead. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, I, I wanted to further defend my my position that, yeah, we, we, we hopefully try and dive into movies with a little more detail. And, you know, like you said, we, we kind of are uh, in the industry of making videos and movies that uh, hopefully we have a little bit of insight that's maybe interesting to some people. But if not, we're just... Uh, Hopefully, some some weirdos on the internet that uh, you don't mind listening to talk about movies. Oh no, that, that that's the thing. I, I you you guys definitely bring something else to uh, the table because I I learned a bunch of stuff listening to you guys, which like I'm surprised at myself that by, that I'm saying that, but I actually did learn uh, some stuff listening to guys. So you, yeah, I you learned some, that Ghostbusters had some shaky mat paintings, and now oh, everyone's sad. Uh, that yeah, that just kills me now every time, man. Like I've so- seen it, yeah, yeah. Because I actually went, like, I paused it, rewind it, and I said, oh, there's the map pain. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so I, now it blew my mind that I actually noticed it, but okay. <laughs> uh, so we're going to uh, talk about your hardware and your software now. Sure. So your hardware. Uh, I am speaking to you now from my, uh, what is it? The, it was like a mid-cycle refresh. It was like 2013, 15-inch Retina MacBook Pro. It was like the the, the first the first one, but they did like a, a chip bump or something and a RAM bump like halfway through the cycle. Uh, and this is uh, where I do all of my work as well on my laptop that has two other uh, terrible Dell 19-inch monitors plugged into it. 19-inch monitors. That's uh, no wait, sorry, 22. I don't know. They're they're terrible. I bought them years ago. There's I got I, I have <laughs> the the two external monitors plus the laptop monitors. I've got like three monitors up, and that's enough space for me to do my work and. Uh, yeah, I got uh, I got one of these loud, clicky DOS keyboards. Uh, oh, you have the DOS, okay. Uh, which switches? Uh, the blue ones, the brown ones. It, it, this this was the first keyboard they made that for a Mac, so I don't really remember. Uh-huh. I think it was the Cherry MX. Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. But then you have like the blue variant is the loud one, and then there's a brown variant, which is sort of silent er oh no it's it's totally like really really loud okay so those blue mx switches yeah 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 (laughs) i I got i got this keyboard when i was still working at intel and you know in that sort of open air cubicle environment (laughs) it took maybe like four minutes before like eight people were at my desk going what are you doing over here it's like hi i got a new keyboard I, I like it though. I like the, the feedback feeling. Yeah, I have a, a the same. Like I have a Steel Series G six version two. It's like a gaming keyboard, but it looks normal. It doesn't mm. look like a gaming keyboard, and it has the blue switches. But I, uh, my editor for the tech magazine I write for actually has the IBM uh, Model M. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the, the the old beige one. That is a loud keyboard. <laughs> he has his own office, uh, so it's not really a problem. But mm. yeah, you can still hear it through the door. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do, I do forget about that sometimes. Uh, I, I worked um, 
in the sandwich office for a little while and I felt super bad about it because, you know, I would start typing something and all these other people who were being very nice and polite and quiet and they're just like having to suffer through my insanely loud keyboard. But uh, anyway, uh, in, uh, in addition to the keyboard, I have uh, a little Wacom tablet that I use, uh, you know, the pen interface. Uh, that's pretty much how most people do post-production, uh, the kind of like I do. Um, I also have a, a magic mouse and a magic trackpad connected because I like having all of the pointing devices I could possibly have. And uh, I have a bunch, of, a bunch of hard drives over here. I got a, a big old Drobo and a G-Raid and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, you're, you're supposed to. You do video. So, you know, I think that's a given, I think. I think I have uh, like 30 terabytes of hard drive space over here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just love the fact that I do audio and that's not an issue. Like, <laughs> <laughs> every podcast I've ever done is in my Dropbox folder. Mm. I do have a big Dropbox folder, but, you know, still. Yeah, as do I. Yeah, in the... I, I try and um, I, I keep like one project at a time, like on my internal SSD on this laptop, which is uh, the best way to work because it's super fast and it's all in one place. But um, it fills up that uh, 768 or whatever it is gigabyte SSD pretty quick. Yeah, that's not that's nothing basically. Yeah, to you guys, that's nothing. All right. Uh. Yeah, I think the last the last project I archived, single project, was like a 300 gig video or something. I can't remember what it was. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Those numbers still blow my mind. Yeah, no, it, honestly, because it's that's yeah, it's a ton of data. But yeah, it makes sense. It's just it's a lot because you, you talked about FedExing, you know, hard drives in a, one of your episodes, and I'm like, yeah, well, it sounds weird, but it makes sense actually. Yeah, so. and it's probably. I mean, other people have slightly more efficient workflows. I don't really work in quick times. I kind of do the same sort of film pipeline that uh, Joe does on uh, all of the things he works on because image sequences, where it's basically. Each video is like a, just a still image, uh, you know, that like a PNG or something. We, we use specific file formats for video, but um, you know, one video frame can be, you know, thirty megabytes per frame, and you got twenty four a second. So that stuff fills up pretty quickly. Yeah, adds up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so your your phone? Oh, I uh, I have an iPhone six, uh, the the regular one because I am not not a large human being. Um, <laughs> okay. As I've learned from your shows, five eleven is not a tall person, so uh, I have a a regular iPhone. Well, it's six. not. It's not like it's just. It's not. <laughs> I know. Right? I, know. Uh, I have an iPad one, which uh, oh, okay, yeah. it basically has been completely unused for a very long time. I actually just wiped it and reinstalled everything like two days ago because I figured it might just be fine for surfing the internet it's still super slow it's only on uh ios 511 like that apparently that's where it maxed out but uh yeah uh <laughs> i don't really i don't really use the the tablet i am just on my, my iphone 6 all day long well not all day because the battery dies at like 4 p.m but yeah like all day this is my phone and my my uh my laptop yeah you see you should have gotten the plus that but the battery lasts longer Where's dude I, I can't it does not fit in my hand. I, I don't know how people, because I, I, I do a lot of stuff one-handed, or at least I try. And even the 6, I'm starting to like adjust to it. But I, I played with the, the 6 Plus in the store, and holy crap, that thing is gigantic. Yeah, I played with one in the store as well, and a, couple, uh, like a bunch of people here also have it. It's awesome. It's awesome. But I am a giant, so that does not count. Yes. Uh, I'm not the, the yardstick for that. What, what, so. are you, what are you using these days for a phone? Oh, I have the Nexus 5 still. How, how big is that one? It uh, that's a 5-inch screen. Yeah, and then the 6, uh, which is out now, has a 6-inch six, six screen, but it's uh, made by Motorola, which is, does not have a presence here, really. Hmm. So I can't even get it subsidized. Like, I'd get it in a heartbeat, but I, I, it's just not available. And if I buy it unlocked, it's 
so expensive it's ridiculous so yeah because it's the first nexus phone that doesn't it's not the ch a cheap nexus phone right because the five when it came out it was like 350 dollars mm. so if you like i mine uh, was actually bought here but the the four i bought in america like a friend bought it in america and brought it over and when there's no customs and the dollar is tanking it's uh pretty cheap <laughs> like <laughs> and it I was trying to remember. I thought it was something about the the import cost or whatever. The, is the reason you didn't have an iPhone, or you you just actually really super into Android? I can't remember. Oh no! Well, not. I'm not so like I. I always just used Android because I'm a Gmail guy. Oh yeah. Like I live in Gmail and Google Calendar. Me too. But and, like, uh, yeah, oh, wow. I just, I can't get used to. It. I have an iPad Mini now. Mm. Uh, the with the Retina screen and it's fine. But I don't know. I don't know. There's something like Google with uh, Android 4.0 did something right. And I, I, I sometimes know what that is, but like it fits me somehow. Like, I, cause I review like phones all the time, and I get iOS phone like iPhones all the time, and it's like, I don't know. I'm still not convinced. I still prefer Android, stock Android. I should qualify that. Yeah. Okay, but are you using the native Gmail app? Uh, I'm actually. I just moved like the last couple of months. I moved to uh, the Inbox app. Oh right, that's their new one thing, which is like Mailbox, but it's awesome. The whole uh, uh, email as a to-do list is just the greatest thing ever. Uh, like for the way I handle email, I actually like clean out my inbox every Friday now. I, I, I don't get that much email, so I do it every day. I, I use a mailbox on my phone and I was using it on the Mac for a while, but the, the beta is pretty buggy. So I kind of dropped it and went back to Mailplane but for the traditional uh, Gmail interface. But um, yeah, that inbox one looked awful complicated. I... I uh, I, I like the mailbox where I can delete archive or just tell me tell to show up tomorrow because I'm too busy right now. Yeah, well, that's what the the Gmail inbox thing does. That's it. Yeah, but doesn't it, doesn't it have all that weird sort of like uh, sorting or where like sticks like emails together or something? Yeah, but you can like leave that alone basically. You can or you know just not have that. But I I the thing is I have a bunch of work email accounts, hmm. so I, I have all of those piped into my Gmail. So that grouping thing is awesome. Like it, from one job, I have all of my emails in one place and then there's a, the podcast stuff, they're all in one place. So I can like selectively choose what I'm going to look at now. And that's just, oh, it's the best thing ever, <laughs> honestly. Like I, yeah, like it was kind of hard at first because I was so used to the Gmail uh, interface, but now it's just, it's awesome. It's honestly awesome. And it works like a charm on an Android phone, so... Hmm. Because Apple Mail on the iPhone is the worst uh, app no, I've ever no. used. I, I, I don't think I've opened regular mail in a couple of years. Or since yeah. I, whenever uh, Mailbox came out, I haven't gone back since then. But Yeah, but honestly, like if you use Gmail, and you, uh, the first uh, Android phone I got was the Galaxy Nexus, which had uh, ice cream sandwich. Like That's Android 4.0. Mm -hmm. Like the Gmail experience on that phone was awesome. And that's what, like... Four years ago now? Three? Mm. Four years? Well, I asked about the, the, the Gmail app itself because I really don't like the actual Gmail app on iOS. I, I, it's just like slow and weird and I'm, I'm not sure what its deal is, but I, I, I find it very odd to use. And uh, I, I used it a little while when uh, Mailbox didn't have, uh, what is it, what, Marcus Spam, but uh, now, uh -huh. yeah, I, I don't I don't open that app unless I really, really have to for some reason. No, that's fair enough, but yeah, I, I'm, the, yeah I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> I love that thing. Honestly, it's like one of the, be like, Google kind of had some missteps with the apps it was putting out, but this one is awesome. Honestly. Well, you, you have different opinions, so we should totally fight about it. Oh, yeah, we should. We should, <laughs> because this is the internet. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
yes, the, the techie side of the internet, which is even worse, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any other apps you actually use, like stuff you actually use? Oh, dear. Uh, on your phone. I'm just going to say on your phone, because if you go into the desktop stuff, we're going to be here for two hours. But Yeah, like, you don't want to talk about I mean, I use like one app on the desktop, but it's like expensive and people shouldn't look at it or buy it. Um, <laughs> I, I use Tweetbot, of course, all the time. Yeah. Uh, we, we run our podcast stuff through Slack, uh, so that's that's where we chat most of the time. Uh, editorial, of course, drafts, of course, um, Tumblr, Nuzzle, all that fun stuff that all of the nerds are into. Uh, I, I just recently downloaded this app called Plot, uh, which is sort of like a journaling thing for movies that you've watched. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a Foursquare style thing where you like check in and. You know, you search for the movie and you, you know, say yes or no if you liked it. And you had like a really short like Twitter length blurb about what you thought about it. But I, I like it because it's uh, it's got like a follow your friends sort of thing where you can see what other people are watching and you can comment on their stuff and sort of discuss it. I mean, I, you know, I just started using it. So there's only like six people I talk to on the thing. But uh, since I have a terrible memory for things, uh, I, I like to keep it on my main screen there. And every time I watch a movie, which is I, I'm coming to realize I watch more movies than I thought I did, at least partial movies that are on TV. <laughs> I just fire it up and, you know, check into it or whatever and uh, keep a list there. So I, uh, I'm kind of liking that one these days. Uh, okay, my last question. Mm. If you had to choose one thing, one physical thing, and it can be a grandmother, so it's a thing, not a person. I don't know why I say that every time, but it makes me feel better. Anyway, <laughs> if you had to choose one thing, uh, what would that be? Like something that made an impact on your life. You might still have it, you might not. But like it has to be one thing. Yeah, uh, I actually did put some thought into this uh, based on uh, <laughs> previous episodes, and I, I really didn't come up with much of an answer for you. So I apologize. <laughs> you know, I I feel like I should say something like the first video camera I had that sort of like I ended up playing around with and led to my ability to make a living these days. Which, uh, for the record, was a Sony TRV8 Mini DV camera, which was a terrible, terrible little camera that we bought at a Best Buy. Um, but you know. Uh, I am, uh, accused regularly of being utterly attached to my iPhone, uh, whatever iPhone I have at the time, iPhone six at the moment. And, uh, you know, things like, uh, the iPhone and Twitter in particular, I guess, Tweetbot in particular are kind of the reason I know the people I know and the, the, the reason I have the job that I have. And, uh, I, I really wouldn't be anywhere near where I am in terms of career and, uh, friends if it wasn't for Twitter, which is a really weird thing to say, but, um, yeah, am I allowed to pick a software app or a service? I don't know if that qualifies. Well, yeah, well, if it's, you know, if it's, if, if it's hand in hand with the iPhone, I'll, 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 I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So sure. I, I will pick the iPhone because it's the way that I keep in touch with literally everyone in my life. And, uh, it's, it's led to all of the good things, uh, I have, you know, all of the, all of the people that I've learned from all of the, the, the friends that I have on the internet and like some that I've met in real life. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it has changed my life for the better in in many ways, and probably changed my life for the worse. In the fact that I stare at it all day long, but uh, still, I, I I enjoy my iPhone. Yeah, actually, that, that, that that's a good answer. Then, <laughs> if, you, if you yeah, if you just had said the the iPhone, that would be douchey. But you know that whole that that, that speech at the end that, that saved you. Well, basically. I still I still feel like it's a cop out because you know we all have uh, smartphones and uh, we're all super connected to all of these fun people, but. Uh, well, yeah, but you live in the middle of the desert, so I, I imagine it helps. Yeah, I do. I live in the middle of freaking nowhere, and yeah, <laughs> if if it wasn't for the internet and social networking, I would like never talk to a human being other than my girlfriend, who I live with, or my dog, which he doesn't really talk back to me yet. <laughs> 
Dan, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is fun. So we're gonna we can stop recording and just you know talk about Joe and how he's a terrible person for not liking stuff. Yeah, he's he's just the worst. He is the worst. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>